This episode of the OP Radio Podcast, sponsored by Manscaped.com. Use the promo code OP, O-P-I-E, to get 20% off. That's Manscaped.com, promo code OP, O-P-I-E, to get 20% off. And now we roll into another episode, and I got to be honest with you. Last night, I was live streaming. I was having a nice beer. My daughter was happy. She was on an iPad with her friends. We were about to have ice cream. And then out of nowhere, Sarah checked in. You think you had a bad year in 2020? Wait till you hear Sarah's story. Let's do this. I think we are live from New York City, overlooking the Hudson River. Debbie from Boston, you are first on the Facebook. Good evening, Debbie. What's up, Matthew Appleberg and Vincent Scaramuzzo and Pete uh, Moron? <laughs> uh, do you pronounce that J like an H? Uh, Morhan? I don't know. What's up, Alucard? It looks like you're first on the YouTube. Uh, yeah, beautiful day finally here in New York City. It got up to like uh, 70 degrees. You're looking at the Hudson River. You're looking at Jersey on the other side there. We're about 500 feet off the ground in my apartment that I abandoned a year ago. This beautiful apartment. Cynthia, what's going on? Congratulations to you, my, my friend. Congratulations are in order. Alex Jones in the news, stopping a child stuffed in a car. Well, damn. Yeah, I kind of saw that. But every time I see Alex Jones on uh, on the internet, you don't know what to believe. So is that true? I saw him like trying to, to hold back a car. And I'm like, oh, it's just Alex Jones being Alex Jones. But is it a real story? Is it a real thing? Was somebody really trying to stuff a kid into a car and Alex Jones said, not on my watch? I don't know. Oh, you're welcome, uh, Cynthia, and thank you for everything you do for me. Windows are open up here in Buffalo. What's up, Sarah? How are you? Hey, Andy Vollett. How are you, buddy? I saw you with your uh, with your WOW t-shirt the other day on the private Facebook group, one of my brother's designs for St. Patty's Day. I saw you. I'm always lurking about. Uh, let's see. What else is going on? So, yeah, we came here for a couple days. Real quick, came in last night around 11, went right to bed, got up early, got my uh, my daughter to school. Then I uh, drove around the neighborhood for an hour trying to find parking because I refused to pay for the uh, parking in the parking lot of this building, which went up to $750 a month. And I said, you know what? Go F yourself. And I saw the guy. He goes, hey, you coming back? I'm like, I ain't coming back for $750 a month. Hell nah. So that means I'm, uh, you know, driving up and down streets, up and down the streets, trying to find, uh, you know, parking for the for the rig. So I'm good until tomorrow morning at 11:30. If you need to know, and then I got to move it again. But I'm not gonna lie, man. It was uh, there were some nice views out there as I'm rolling around. A lot of nice, nice, nice fucking. I'll say it, women. And I guess bras are optional these days. God bless you, women. Yes, $750 a month, David Stack. You're new to this game, huh? I'll tell you. 
I live 500 feet off the ground and overlooking the Hudson River with the sun going down as you look at Jersey. And uh, the maintenance uh, charges for this uh, building are $5,200. And then they add a little electric at you. So sometimes it's $5,300, $5,400 a month. Maintenance charges just to live in this building. That has nothing to do with your mortgage. And then uh, my garage used to be $600 a month, but now they're trying to make the, some money back. So now they raise the, 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 the parking rates in my building to $750 a month. And that doesn't include the extra $50 to $75 you pay the man, cash only, so he gives you a good spot so you don't wait uh, for your car. That's the thing about this. Oh, wait, I got to tell you. So let's say we wanted to go to the beach. So I call down and say, can you get my car ready? And they're like, oh, we're really busy. And you go down and then you wait with a whole bunch of other schmucks, sometimes for a half hour for them to pull your car up from down below so you can leave the city. So you're getting nothing nice for your $600. And now it's $750. You pay 60000 a year in maintenance charges. Yep, someone did the math. Um, so after I dropped my daughter off at school, I wanted to um, live stream from Vic Henley's bench in Central Park. And I found it. And uh, if you're local to New York or if you're coming to New York City, there's a, a place called the Great Lawn. That's where the famous uh, Simon and Garfunkel concert was done in New York City many, 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 fuck, many years ago. That might be 50 years ago at this point. Maybe someone could look that up. And they've done other giant concerts uh, at the Great Lawn in Central Park. So Vic Henley's bench or his nameplate is on one of the benches in the Great Lawn area. And uh, I got this friend, Matt, that I met through Vic Henley. He was very, very close with uh, Vic. So uh, Matt sent me pictures of the bench. And I'm like, all right, I know Central Park. All right, let me figure this out. I'm like, okay, looks like, uh, you know, he showed uh, the pictures taken from uh, the bench with Vic Kenley's name on it. So I'm like, okay, all right, that looks like the Great Lawn. And then I'm like lining up trees and buildings, trying to figure out the angle. And I'm like, oh, okay, I think it's over here. And then I'm like, wait, but it's through a chain link fence. I posted these pictures, by the way, on my Instagram a while back, somewhere around December, around Christmas. And then I finally went, wait a minute, okay, it's behind that backstop of that baseball field. And I'm like, all right, no problem. All I have to do is get to that, sit down, turn on my live stream, and I could do a cool live stream from um, Vic Henley's Memorial Bench in Central Park. And then I fucking look, and they, they fenced in the great lawn. You're not even allowed to walk on it. Is that because of the COVID? <laughs> Gotta blame uh, COVID for everything uh, Andy Vollin, 1981-82 I was there for that concert Oh my god, Andy I didn't. You're an old guy You don't look old, you're doing something right Maybe you're getting infused by some of that uh, Some of that young people blood There was an article about that Silicon Valley is all about uh, Infusing older people with young people blood to stop the aging process and to knock down some of these uh, devastating diseases that uh, people get when they get older. I only read the first paragraph. That's about it. And then someone wrote, God, uh, the more you live, you realize Alex Jones was more right than not. So I don't know. So long story short, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't sit on Vic Henley's memorial bench to do a live stream this morning. I was really, really bummed. I could see the bench. 
And I'm like, there's his nameplate. I wanted to just read it and then break down like a little whoop. Kind of like when I saw, you know, Carl's name down there in Florida on his uh, resting spot. I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'm good. I'll be all right. And then, bam, it hits you. But I wanted to get it out of the way. But uh, they had the, the whole great lawn fenced in. And then I was trying to figure out how to climb those. It's those wobbly fences that you can't really climb on. <laughs> so I had to give up on that, unfortunately. We know old agile Ope, Rachel says. I, I, I was trying to figure it out, but it's that wobbly fence. You know, it's like that temporary fencing. And you can't really get a foothold. Because the squares are too small, so then you try to like put maybe like your big toe in, and you think your whole body could be held up by your big toe, and then swing over the top. But then the whole thing is wobbling back and forth, so I couldn't do it. And then another article. This article I did read a whole paragraph. They said that uh, global warming is getting so bad that the scientists are starting to think we got to start really thinking about. Are you ready for this? blocking out parts of the sun to cool down our planet. There's actual discussions going on. Now, I'm sure when you read something like that, you know, that I, I believe that would be something they would do years from now. But they're like, look, one of the ways we could like turn back the global warming thing is to block out some of the sun <laughs> to cool down our planet. I'm like, oh, my God. I just wanted to get some gelato this afternoon with my daughter, and I was reading this shit on my phone. <laughs> Daniel Kenrich, yes, gelato. I went with a like a lemon icy gelato, I think. I don't know. And then my daughter's like, uh, "What's gelato, Daddy?" I'm like, "Uh, uh, it's uh, it's between water ice. You know how we get water ice down in Philly." Uh, it's between water ice and regular ice cream. That's how I describe gelato. I don't even know if it was true. Who knows? Uh, Chris Kravitz, second shot soon. Oh, that's the thing. When you walk around New York City, everybody is talking about, you know, I got my first shot. And I get my second shot in two weeks. Oh, that's weird because I also got my first shot. And I'm getting my second shot on Tuesday. Oh, really? Well, Veronica, she's got both shots. That's all anyone is talking about in New York City. Nathan Brimmer, I still have Elmo's shirts. That's nice. Elmo left New York. My brother, my brother Elmo, some of you old-timers might remember Elmo. He was at a lot of the gigs. He left 10 years ago, and we haven't seen him since. He met my son when my son was just a baby. My son's now going to be, uh, he's going to be 11 in only uh, less than a month. And he never met my daughter. And he's out there on the West Coast living his life. Farris Roth, best ONA guest of all time. Iron Sheik when he pissed all over the couch. <laughs> yeah, he was drinking Heineken's. <laughs> it's a picture I cherish. Iron Sheik loved his Heineken's when he came in and he sat on our couch and uh, he peed himself. True story. And then we all noticed and start giggling like idiots. And then at the end of the show, we took a group picture and it's me, Jimmy and Anthony in much happier times. The joy in all our faces. And I'm pointing at the pee stain because he can't see. I'm pointing at the pee stain. And everyone's face in that picture is just perfect. And I cherish that picture because that is the Iron Sheik with a giant. 
A giant piece piece stained Jesus. What's the deal with rapper DMX in a coma? The deal is he's gonna fucking die. That's what the deal is. And then it turns out the guy's got COVID on top of it. That came out today too. There's a video. Oh my god. There's a video of him um riding a ride with his very, very young daughter that kind of went viral today. Uh, you do a quick search, you'll find it. They're on something I think called the Slingshot, and they're about to do it, and you can tell DMX is pretty scared, like, oh, shit. And, um, and his daughter, really, really young, I, I, would, I would say she can't even be eight, eight or less, She's showing how scared she is. And then DMX is basically saying, Daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. And then he, he reaches a giant hand and holds her tiny, tiny little hand and basically said stuff like, you know, I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go. And you're watching this thing, knowing the guy's in a coma and also has COVID. So the kid got uh, teary eyeballs. I'm not going to lie to you. Got to be honest. But check out the video. She was scared shitless. And he was scared, but he just, his whole focus was on making sure she was going to be okay. But then I'm thinking, why the hell would you put your very young daughter on a ride like this? Let's do this. Ready? Oh, oh. Oh, I splute. Oh, my God. All, all over my nice couch. Hold on. I got to get paper towels. I'm an idiot. There's so many cracks in my iPad, and I just splooged my beer all over the iPad. This damn beer is very foamy. I brought a little of uh, home uh, to my home. What? So I brought uh, I brought some Montauk Summer Ales, a very fine brewery where I usually live. Brought a few uh, Montauk Summer Ales to uh, the city. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, oh my, is that good? That is delicious. Da -da -da -da, da -da -da -da, da -da -da -da. And then the, the 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 animal guy has the dementia. He used to be on uh, Johnny Carson, and then he did the Leno with the hat. He he wore the hat. <laughs> His family came out with just a sad thing, basically saying he's retiring from public life. Oh, my God. You never want anyone to basically tell the world that you're retiring from public life. Yeah, Jack Hanna has the dementia. That was another sad thing today. There were a lot of sad things today. Let's go over the sad things. Uh, finding out that my uh, garage is now uh, charging $750 a month to park in this building. That was sad. Finding Vic Henley's bench and not being able to uh, sit on it and live stream, that was extremely sad today. That really pissed me off, actually. I almost went home and got a damn ladder so I could get over that wobbly makeshift fence. <laughs> uh, and then what else was sad today? The DMX thing uh, with that video of him and his daughter on a ride. And the Jack Hanna thing was sad. Mike Long says, garage, not sad. Pissed, yes, not sad. <laughs> you got me. I was trying to sneak in one. I was just trying to sneak in one that wasn't sad. Um, you all right?
What are you getting? Ah. For the leg? All right. My daughter had to do like sitting wall shit at the at school. What the fuck are we paying for, man? It's like boot camp. Where you sit up against a wall and then your muscles are holding you up. That's what she was doing in gym class. So she reached for some kind of ice thing from the freezer. Okay, let me jump in here for a second. Wait, but oh, wasn't that you talking? So how could you jump in on yourself? Oh, just go with it. As you can see, the live stream was going nice, nice and light and silly and goofy. And all of a sudden, Sarah called. We're going to talk to Sarah in just a second here. But I do want to say hi to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code Opie, O-P-I-E, to get 20% off at Manscaped.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you got Bush. You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. After using these life-changing products, you're going to want to join a ball sack beauty contest. I'm looking out for you because I also have that exclusive 20% off discount. Use the code OPIE, O-P-I-E, at manscaped.com. And I know you need to know, I'm about to start my fishing season, so I shaved everything down nice. I don't want sweaty, itchy balls. I'm not an animal. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. It comes with the Essential Lawnmower, 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And you know, when you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, making sure your balls are smelling majestic before your Tinder date. With the Perfect Package or Performance Package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. All right, enough of all this. I want you to check it out for yourself. Please support the podcast and at least take a look at this, all right? You get 20% off free shipping with the code OPIE, O-P-I-E, at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Always use the right tools for your bush trimming experience. Get 20% off free shipping with the code OPIE, O-P-I-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code OPIE, O-P-I-E. It's 2021 and you still got bush? Change that with Manscaped. And now we roll into the insane story from Sarah from Buffalo on the OP Radio Podcast. Sarah, I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear because uh, Sarah's been a huge supporter of mine for a really long time. I've noticed you for a while, and this is the first time I've seen you and heard you. I'm uh, hanging out. I'm having surgery in a couple days. What kind of surgery? Going for the big one, having a hysterectomy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, the support group will tell you that I will answer any question. I am an open book, and whatever the question is, you'll get an honest answer. Wow. Damn. Yep. I'm 44, and I've and after 40, it got a little wonky, and I finally said to my doctor, I've had enough of this, and she's like, okay. What do they find? I have what's called uterine fibroids, and they make, they're like these little grape things that form. Yeah. And um, they make things rather uncomfortable. I've got 
I'm kind of, my body's a kind of a science experiment. I've got a, <laughs> some crazy medical shit. I've had a stroke. Um, so I, they have to leave my ovaries because I can't fuck around with hormones. And yeah, this is a great topic for our first chat. I'm super excited. First time I've seen a beautiful sunset going down while I talk about hysterectomy surgery. <laughs> the first. I don't think I'll ever get well, the opportunity again. I mean, Opie, we also have, um, let's see, 2020 was the pandemic, um, my brother's suicide, my stroke, my husband broke his ankle, and I also hit a deer for the first time in 27 years of driving. So pick one. The worst one of all of those was your, your husband's broken ankle, because, man, can we complain. <laughs> he did all right, because I'm a good nurse. And I'm also not his mother, so um, that was obviously a joke. Now we got to go backwards. Uh, I, I, it seems like you came back strong from the stroke. I had a stroke in the back part of my brain in the cerebellum. It was not the in my. Oh my it's always the name, right? Oh, it's always the name. Here's what's like totally weird about this whole situation. On November 24th of 2019, I got up. It was a sunny day in Buffalo, so my husband was out cycling, which is where he is now. If it's nice out, my husband goes cycling. I had some breakfast. I sat down for our old lady and old man tradition, which is watching CBS Sunday morning, having a cup of tea. Uh, I'm there. Uh, we're, you know, waiting for that nature moment at the end. You know, yeah. cool shit. Had my breakfast, and I put my plate in the sink and came in, back into the living room to sit down, and the whole room started to spin. Like, in your 20s, too many shots of tequila, the, need to put a foot on the floor. And I tried to stand up, and I couldn't, and I crawled into the bathroom, and I barfed my guts out, and I was totally fine. I sincerely thought it was food poisoning because it happened so fast after I finished my breakfast. Fast forward, I have migraines. My symptoms were a little weird. I was getting ringing in my ears and some vertigo. My insurance denied the request, and the neurologist I see is literally one of the best on the East Coast, and I'm not just saying that. And I just kept on... Oh, you're freezing up. This is too audio. good. Oh, she's freezing you still up. Hear me? Okay. Uh, so... I got scared. Um, I thought you had another stroke. I walked around. Everything was fine. But then I started getting some more, some different migraines. And um, the symptoms were weird, and they finally approved the tests. So my doctor right. took me out on medical leave on February 20th of 2020. And then, four days later, my brother died by suicide. So oh the time God. that I was supposed to be going for these tests, I was handling my brother's affairs initially. I went to Louisville, Kentucky, where my brother lived. We cleaned out his house and took care of what we could which wasn't much. It was right before the pandemic. I came back. I went back to work on March 10th. I went for my scan on at about 8 p.m. And on Wednesday morning, March 11th, my neurologist called me at 9.30 in the morning and said, hey, can you come, can you come in today? And I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, it hasn't even been 24 hours since my scan. What's up? Like, I knew something was wrong. They're like, no, no, just come in. You know, the doctor wants to see you. Okay, so I go in and my doctor walks in and she goes well the good news is you don't have a tumor but you did have a stroke wow but the good thing about it 
is that the part of the brain that I had the stroke in is the best right. place to have a stroke. Like I have a fully blocked artery in my cerebellum. But the reason that the incident happened so fast, like from being on the couch and being dizzy and then throwing up is because my body reacted very quickly and rerouted blood to the rest of my brain. So I don't have any lasting damage, but had it occurred in my left or right hemisphere, I probably would have died. And the really fucked up thing is that I had the actual stroke on November 24th and my brother passed away on February 24th who has had triple bypass and two strokes himself. That's a, that's a hell of a run you had, man. Un unfortunately, the stroke didn't affect your, your talking. <laughs> Sorry? Nothing. Thank God My audio's idiot. just a little heavy. Oh, your audio's shit? Thank God. Um, I'm sorry about your brother. That, was, he, was he showing uh, that he had issues? Did it come out of nowhere? My brother left a note, but I can't publish it because, as you know, we share the crazy mom connection. Yeah. And she wanted to get involved, and thankfully she agreed to relinquish any um, claim to the estate. So I don't have to worry about her, but there's certain things about him I don't want her to know. Okay. Because, I mean, we haven't, I, I have literally not spoken a word to that woman in 31 years. Wow. How does that feel? Great. Yeah, no shit, right? It's so funny. Sorry. I, and I, I'm going to talk for you because I know uh, I'm going to talk for myself and I'm going to talk for others that go through this. When I talk about putting up boundaries in my own family and one of them being not talking to my mom anymore, it's been, uh, we're, we're moving in on four years and I've only talked to her a handful of times since I've been married which is uh, almost, wow, almost 13 years. Uh, yeah, it makes you feel great. You have to put up those boundaries sometimes. And people don't understand that, especially when you're talking about a close family member, like a mother, a father, a brother, or a sister. And they're like, how can you do that? Just call them. And what people don't understand is to get to the point we've gotten to, We've, we went through so much shit and so much heartache that this is the last straw. You have to do it to save yourself and, the, and your, your family. Opie, my, I don't know if, you, if your mom is like this. My mom is a narcissist. And the only way to cut off a narcissist is to have absolutely no contact with them. Yeah. And I was, I was 13 when we broke ties. And that woman would make me so raging angry with some of the shit that she did my hands would shake and i'm not an angry person i think anger and sadness are a waste of time like if, if there's shit in your life that's making you mad or sad all the time get rid of it it's right. pointless like pap being happy is a choice the people right. around you influence that and i don't yeah. need that shit what i've explained to people over the years is that look you come into this life as a human the titles you earn mom dad friend wife you, you have to work at them to keep them. Okay, like I work in risk management. If I'm not doing my job, I'm going to get fired. If you don't do your job as a mom or a wife or whatever, you lose your title. If I told you the horror stories of how she treated me as a kid, there isn't a person on the planet who wouldn't say, holy shit, why is this person in your life? Right. But when the minute you throw in, you, minute you throw in DNA, which, fuck DNA, who cares about that? 
the minute you throw that in, people think that they that they get a free pass to treat you like shit. No, that's not how it works. What was the worst thing she did to you? Let's get right to the chase. And by the way, Benjamin Tucker is giving money like crazy for you, Sarah. I think he's giving me $30 tonight. Um, she used to call me a fat cow and a fat bitch and told me that she was ashamed to have a fat daughter. She forced me to join the swim team in fifth grade so I would lose weight because she was, quote, ashamed to be seen in public with me. And she also forced me to get my hair cut off because if you have long hair and you're on the swim team, I know you're not going to take care of it, so I'm going to give you a short haircut. She went back to work at eight when I was 10, and yeah. she forced me to do all the house chores. <clears throat> like yeah. I would have to make her bed before I went to school. And I was a straight-A student, National Honor Society, graduated top 10% of my class, the whole deal. And right. I, was a great, I was a great student. But she was every kind of abusive other than sexually abusive, mentally, emotionally, physically, psychologically. Um, called me names, uh, didn't know it at the time, gaslit me, the whole deal. And the thing is, she comes from a bad family, too. Like, her father was an adulterer and beat the shit out of her and her sister and two brothers. Um, But uh, to me, that's not an excuse. Go get help. Yeah. Um, But the reason that I decided to go into therapy is because she absolutely is a piece of the puzzle of why my brother took his life. My yeah. brother was 10 when she left, so he never trusted women. He could never form emotional attachments with them. So he was 40 in February 2020 when he passed, and I think he sort of reevaluated at 40 where he was, and he was single. He had been a bachelor. He was a business owner, but he had business partners taking advantage of him and bleeding dry because he had good credit. Like, <laughs> Opie, we need a couple hours for this. <laughs> right. You think your brother's suicide uh, goes right back to how he was raised by your your crazy mom? Um, His inability to form relationships with women because he didn't trust them is directly related to her abandonment. Absolutely, yes. I am going to end this live stream really soon, and I'm going to call my mom because I just realized that uh, it really wasn't that bad (laughs) when I compare it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, like I said, Opie, I am honest. I I am as honest as I get. I do not fuck around. And I also, the reason that I tell my story is because I don't want anybody to experience what I've had to experience just in losing my brother in the last year. And on top of it, all of the other stuff. I saw my dad a couple weeks ago. Uh, We were, it was the first round of the NCAA tournament and we had gone to the southern tier of New York where my husband's family is from to there were only 12 of us so it was safe and most of the adults were vaccinated whatever so we hang out watching the basketball game and he told me that he had run into her she had come into where he was having dinner and she actually sat in his, he was by himself and she sat down to talk to him and I spent my next entire therapy and talking about it because I was so angry like that's what a narcissist she is like I've had to do things to protect my brother in his death like I don't have his face etched on his tombstone because I don't want her to look at him when she if she goes there when you lose someone and then the person who should be gone is left or is still left here there's some anger tied up in that and my brother if all he needed was 
he probably could have been helped with just medication. Yeah. But he was so he was so depressed. And when you're depressed, you can't make rational decisions and he was in a bad place and none of us knew. I'm, I'm this was not this was this was like when we found out Robin Williams had passed away. My yeah. brother was the life of the party, the funnest guy around, happy, joking, laughing, making money, successful. I have not spoken to one single person who said, oh, yeah, he was having trouble. Right. No, nobody knew. Nobody. And what's fucked up is, like, I talked to him about my stuff. Like, hey, I take this and this for anxiety and depression and whatnot. And he never said a word. Like, he would get grumpy in the winter because he hated winter, like, seasonal stuff. But nobody had any idea. And I think he was ashamed and scared to ask for help and wow. the stigma the stigma about getting help and seeking help is particularly nasty for men and particularly young men you know what i would like to do is um create a legacy for him and raise awareness to the point where i mean your kids are in school and they have physical education right why don't we have mental education what's wrong with that you could have pe and emmy emmys for me Right? Because there's kids in school right now who don't get the support they need at home. They're not developing the emotional intelligence that a lot of us have been able to develop simply because we're survivors. And I think that a movement to teach kids age-appropriate, you know, mental health awareness from K through 12, if we put as much, if we put as much emphasis on that as we did physical education, We'd be pushing out well-rounded adults at 18 and not yep. these entitled, spoiled little brats. I think there's something to be said for teaching kids how to handle their emotions besides shoving them down and keeping them to themselves. My story can change that, then I'll tell whoever will listen. That's, uh, that could be the longest sentence I've ever heard in my life, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first person to tell me that, oh Sario. You just killed my buzz. No, this is uh, this is very sorry. interesting. No, it's it's not. It doesn't always have to be silly and goofy and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, funny. Uh, that's that's the beauty of what I do. I, I don't mind going down these other paths. But um, all right, here's the tough well, question: how, how did he do it? He did it with a gun, and his death certificate says intraoral suicide. He put it in his mouth, um, under the chin. Jesus! I did not see it. We were in his house, but um, I have a cousin right. who is a battalion chief for EMS and fire in Frederick County, Maryland. I mean, he's seen bodies dragged down I-70, you know, yeah. down along the D.C. corridor. So he went into the house, went upstairs, went into the bathroom and closed the doors. And I, I will, I, because I, even before I, I mean, I only started therapy in November because 2020 was a little crazy, but um, I knew I would never unsee it, and I yeah. did not want to see that. He took care of it, closed the door, we didn't talk about it, um, and now pretty soon we're put actually nearing getting ready to put the house up for sale. So. Oh my god! I didn't expect <laughs> that. It's so weird you said put the house up for sale, so... When I was when I was looking for a place to live in New York City, we went through um, this one house, and this mom 
was uh, following us and the realtor around and she was very, very nervous and she was running ahead trying to clean everything to the last second before we saw her house. And she really, really wanted to sell the house. And I knew something wasn't right. So after we left the apartment, which was pretty nice, uh, I asked the realtor, Mike, what's the deal? Obviously, something is going on with this, uh, with this apartment. She goes, well, I'm not really supposed to say, but I will. Their son committed suicide in the apartment, and they just want to get the fuck out of that apartment and sell it immediately and, and I think move back to France, I believe. And I'm like, oh, my. It was so obvious that something was going on. We're not even doing anything to the house. It's going as is, and because the market is so good right now, we're probably going to get 25 to 30 over asking because there's no inventory right now. But the people, there are people who want to buy, but there aren't enough houses for the people who want to buy them. So I, right, we will have no problem selling the house. My brain went to a bad place. You said you're going to sell the house as is. It's like, been cleaned. Like, like broken tiles and all? or There's no broken tiles. There's a bullet hole in the ceiling. Did you, did, did you leave it? Um, I'm going to let the realtor decide like how obvious it is. And if it needs to be fixed, we'll fix it. But Saturday, I also learned from the detective because um, the detective got a hold of his phone because he had his phone in his hand. Like, he, like, the only thing that I've truly struggled with, but I've been through enough therapy sessions now to be okay with it, is thinking about him, the things he was doing for the last time. Like, he consciously walked into the bathroom, fully clothed with a bottle of Tito's vodka, sat right. down in the bathtub, right? Like his last moments, like that's the kind of shit that fucks with you, your yeah. head. But Saturday night, cause he did it on a Monday, but Saturday night he had reached out to a friend and the detective found um, a bullet hole in a pillow. So he had actually thought about it Saturday night and was trying to drink himself into getting the courage to do it. And he even wrote in part of his note about, you know, trying to drink and willing himself to do it. But, you know, he talked about being alone and losing the will to live and getting burned by his business partners. And, you know, he just didn't want to go on and that nothing made him happy anymore. You know, right. and he, he, he was a boater. He had a 34-foot cheetah hustler boat. I mean, he went to Miami for a couple of months in the winter when his landscaping business would slow down. He lived a big, fun life, but it, it wasn't enough because he was lonely. And again, yeah. the reason he was lonely is because he couldn't, afford, he couldn't form emotional attachments with women because he didn't trust women because he was abandoned when he was 10. So, yeah. Oh my God, this is, uh, I, I just wanted to have a beer and, and watch a, a beautiful sunset tonight, Sarah from Buffalo. Listen, oh, looking over the sunset, let me just tell people yeah. that I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to figure out whatever this is and whatever this was, and I'm going to tell every single person I know about it. And whatever comes of this, I'm going to help people. It's a whopper of a story. Yeah. But when life throws this shit at you, you can either learn from it or you can sit around and sulk. And I have seen so many people stop living, just stop living 
And there's no way that I was going to do that. I'm only 44. My husband and I are happily married. And if I can help one person, which, by the way, I've already done. I have three friends that have gone into therapy and two other friends who have sent their kids and have all reached out to me privately and said, if you had not told us this story, I would never have even thought about therapy as an option. Yeah. So I've already helped five, I've already helped five, three friends and two families in a year. So think, and that's just posting stories on Facebook. So imagine the people that I could help if I told somebody else this story. Honestly, this was, uh, this was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Kit's saying you should go on Dr. Phil and you could reach millions with, with your story, man. I mean, Ugh. Opie, I, you I are the only person I would want to talk to. Fuck Dr. Phil. I hate Dr. Phil. I hate that daytime bullshit. Ugh. I got to be honest. <laughs> I, I felt like I had a, uh, a tough run and, uh, you know, and then you just open up and talk about this stuff and you realize that a lot of people have a tough run and, and a lot of people have a much tougher run than what you're going through. And your story is unfucking believable to, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm kind of happy you, you shared it. I mean, a little wordy, let's be honest, a little wordy at times and some details that he could have probably left out, but in general, <laughs> an amazing, uh, an amazing story. I, um, my grandmother used to say, tell people that I could talk the paper off a wall. <laughs> oh, really? But it's, like I said, it's because I'm from a small town. My dad was a very well-known athlete. But I didn't ask you. Tried out for. I didn't ask you. Tried out for. I'm just explaining to you why I'm able to have a conversation. Now we're going off on another 20-minute tangent about your dad (laughs) and his athletic abilities. I didn't ask you any of this. (laughs) (laughs) What sport, for real? I'm going to go football. He played football. He played baseball. And he tried out for the Kansas City Royals and the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, but he was too Damn. small. But he was too small. <laughs> God, we got we got kind of similar uh, stuff there, Sarah. My my dad had to try out with the New York Knicks back when they were uh, a lot of white guys were playing, a lot of white guys, and a lot of white guys that did the the hook shots still, and uh, a bunch of the guys did their uh, underhand uh, free throws. He played in that era. Although when I was coming up playing basketball, he kicked all of our asses, and I was. I was damn good. My brothers were damn good. And my dad would play without sneakers and kick all our asses. But long story short, he uh, never got to try out for the Knicks because his first wife was dying of a rare um, kidney disease. And, he, and then he got pretty I, – I think he got pretty depressed. And he got, you know, uh, off the tracks for a while there. And he never, he never uh, got to, you know, try, out, try for his dream, which was to play basketball in the NBA. My dad is a simple, humble man. He was a single dad when courts were just automatically giving custody to moms. Like, this was 1989. This is before dads got custody. But he was a single dad, and he was a janitor at my high school for 30 years, and he raised us on 25 grand a year. But I didn't ask you about any of that. I didn't ask you about that. We were bonding about the athletic thing, and now I'm finding out he's a janitor. He he, was, he raised everybody by himself. I didn't ask you that nope. stuff. Was was he an uh, an enabler to your mom before they uh, split? No, she was an alcoholic, and they fought a lot. Like she, she um, like I don't have a relationship with her, not because they got a divorce. I mean, some people 
some kids like quote take sides no like she was nasty to me yeah and you know a lot but again being from a small town a lot of people thought you know i took my dad's side well i didn't have to but she was nasty to him too like she took raw hamburger one night and whipped it against the window and squirted ketchup and mustard on it and said there's your fucking dinner nice like lunatic oh i can relate to that it's funny because uh my dad, you know, we had seven, eight, nine kids. My mom was insane, uh, pulling all sorts of shit. I'm not going to tell my stories and try to compete with your stories. Fuck that. Maybe on another uh, live stream. But the one thing I will say is I would go to my dad almost like, see, I caught a red-handed look. Look what she's doing to me or doing to us. And, you know, you almost felt good as a kid. Like you finally, you finally had proof of something insane that needed to be taken care of in our, in our family and in our household. And that's when my dad, no, I love my dad to death and he, he didn't do wrong by me for the most part. But the one thing I was always disappointed in was the fact that when, when it was back was against the, uh, against the wall, excuse me. Um, he would go, Oh, Greg, you know, your mom's sick. And then we just had to accept that. And that to this day drove me nuts. Well, a lot of the stuff she did, she did when he wasn't around because, again, he was a janitor and when she was nasty, he was, you know, doing a plumbing job for somebody or an electric job or, you know, something like that. So he didn't see a lot of it. And, you know, we grew up in a time where you don't really talk about it, you know, because it wasn't talked, that kind of stuff wasn't talked about in school. There was no... Fuck, I was in kindergarten in 1981, 1982, so... Wait, we're doing kindergarten stories? What happened? Why I'm telling... Oh, Jesus. Why are we talking about kindergarten? <laughs> I, ha I have to remember that you're just talking with me because I really will just keep answering the questions. <laughs> said, this Sarah can talk. But, but honestly, you can talk, meaning, yeah, you might be a little wordy. <laughs> you, might, uh, you, you might have uh, too many details at times, but with that said, I mean, you have a hell of a story to tell, and I certainly think you uh, will help people. I mean, when I started finally talking about my mom, like, I was, I was pretty amazed at the amount of people that got a hold of me saying, thank you. Like, they thought, you know, they were the only ones, or, or why isn't anyone talking about this shit? A lot of us go through this crap. Um, so it, it was kind of nice to, to get that type of feedback when I finally started opening up about, uh, my mom. And then I, I assume the people around you think that you, oh, Sarah, you have to be crazy because your mom was crazy. I get that. Not at all. And the funny thing is like when you're, when you're uh, brought up by a mentally ill mom and I escaped at 18, I knew 18 was the time for me to, you know, go. And I think that actually helped my my, uh, I don't know, my mental, uh, whatever you would call it, stability was getting out of there at a, a relatively young age. But uh, people are quick to try to pin mental illness on you, meaning me, because my mom was mentally ill. And it's something that we were all scared and paranoid about growing up. So when I got some money, I made sure that I was okay because I knew eventually I was going to want to get married and have a family and all that. And I didn't want to bring all that horseshit into my, uh, into my house. So it's sad to say that, uh, there's no mental illness for the kid. I'm sorry to the haters out there. Uh, but, uh, I, I, uh, 
you know, I, I got checked out by a, a bunch of different people. And, uh, and then I went into therapy and I've been in therapy for, man, I don't know. Uh, I would say my wife was the reason, like she was the catalyst. I'm like, I'm starting this, this new life with, uh, this woman that I knew I was going to marry at the time. And I, I went into therapy then. So we're talking 17 years of therapy. So just to, just to, you know, check in and make sure things are all right. I mean, I got a touch of other things, but not mentally. <laughs> I got a touch. Well, you were di- di- uh, Carl diagnosed you. Oh, with the autism? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was an article on autism the other day. I was too scared to read it because it was basically, here are the signs that you might have autism. I read the first one. I'm like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I actually Maybe. have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder and soon my therapist wants to but he thinks that's simply bubbling up because of my, the grieving process and oh, of course. but he's gonna he is gonna screen me for ptsd because there are some oh. again i've experienced i experienced a childhood trauma obviously i was traumatized as a child and there are some lasting impacts from that but again right. i right. still carry on with my regular normal life and have a job and again you can you can be be 99% normal and then take care of the shit on the side. There's, you know, and there's, okay. if I, if I had a broken arm, yeah. I wouldn't let my arm just hang there. I'd go get yeah. it fixed. So I got to go backwards for a second. Cause, um, uh, I, I too have PTSD, but I don't really talk about it much because like Dick Cox has PTSD. He wants to jump on this conversation. All our, all our military men and women that when I think P, uh, PTSD, I think of those people, but unfortunately, when you go through uh, childhood trauma, uh, you can get PTSD. And I didn't—I only learned that about five years ago because there's things I do do that I never understood. And then uh, through therapy and stuff, uh, the, the therapist goes, you have PTSD because of your childhood. I'm like, holy shit, to, uh, uh, where you need to feel. So in my case, I've always been an athlete and I, I've always worked out, but I always worked out to exhaustion. And that's a sign of PTSD because you want to feel if that makes sense. I'm a perfectionist, but that's also partially because she was an alcoholic. Right. Um, when, when you have a crazy parent, you tend to overcompensate and you want to be, have every, be in control and that sort of stuff. Uh, again, I'm sure your therapist has told you the same stuff, but I knew that again before going to therapy because... Yeah. I am not someone that makes New Year's resolutions. I'm somebody who just reevaluates myself all the time to, yeah. you know, to try to get, do a little better every day. And so, again, when, when you grow up like we did, you want to be a cycle breaker. You want to you stop the shit that you experience from ever happening to anyone else. With that comes a responsibility to, you know, do some of your own research and, right. you know, try to get better on your own. And that's what I've done. Uh, Freedom Fighter 29, who I think he's a hater, but some of the stuff he says I kind of like. So I'm on the fence with this guy, but he, he just wrote, hold on, hold on, hold on. Your childhood sucked, but you're successful in life. Whoa. I'm not saying woe is me. I'm just having an open conversation with Sarah. I'm one of the lucky ones that I, I knew there was a bad situation in my house when I was growing up with mental illness. I knew, whoa, look at my hand. Hey, hand. My hand is floating over the river. Um I knew, uh, I knew, uh, you know, that I needed to escape that situation and make a life for myself. And then fast forward, it was still happening. And I, 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 uh, I put up major boundaries, 
to make sure I take care of myself and the, and the people I love around me, meaning my, my kids and my wife. I'm not sitting here saying, woe is me at all, man. I, I cherish no. my childhood, believe it or not. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, in a weird way, chaos to me was very, very normal, which kind of led to other issues in my career. I, I, I tended to uh, make sure I had crazy-ass motherfuckers around me because I was used to that. I was used to the chaos. Uh, but then I think one day I woke up and I was like, enough is enough. But I'm not saying woe is me. I wouldn't change anything, believe it or not. You Never. Work, the older you get and you work on yourself, it, it is what it is. That was my life. I don't want to change a thing. I don't. And no. I don't want to keep reliving it and going back to it and, uh, and making excuses why I might be how I am today because of how I was brought up. Fuck all that. It happened. I, I yeah. don't live in the moment and I, I look forward to, you know, tomorrow. I Perfect. I mean, I don't look back at this shit anymore. I did for a while. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's been many, many years. Well, people have asked me too, like how I'm able to be adjusted from losing my brother. And I said, look, I had thousands and thousands of great days and good oh, memories with oh, him. And I forgot. And oh. one shitty and one shitty day. So I can either dwell on the one shitty day that he was gone or I can celebrate the life that he had. I'd rather celebrate yeah. the life that he had. Same for, same for childhood, you know, like after the crazy lady took off, it was my dad and brother and me for a few years. Um, just the three of us. I mean, we had, we had a great time. So if life throws you a fucking curveball and you want to piss and moan about it, that's your choice. Right. Or like you can do what I'm doing, which is just be open about it. Tell people about it. Maybe you'll help somebody else. Just tell your story. But right. moping, or, moping around about it is a waste of time. Ah, screw that crap. All right, Sarah, I got to go. I'm sweating my balls off. I saw my daughter reach into the, uh, the, the freezer to get ice cream. So now I'm, all I've been thinking about the last 20 minutes is ice cream, to be honest with you. Um. <laughs> That's okay. You wanna, do you want to check in next week and talk about surgery? <laughs> oh, that started with the hysterectomy. Oh, my God. Hysterectomy, stroke, brother. <laughs> Commit suicide, selling the house with a bullet hole in the ceiling, and uh, what else? Did I miss any? And crazy mom. I still think your your husband's broken ankle is the worst thing that has happened to you in the last year, but that's just me. I'll get I'll get some photos of his X-ray and my stroke, and I'll post them in the supporters group. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, Sarah, thank you so much. I I really got to go. Um, my daughter's wondering what the hell are you doing over there? So I, I got to go back and uh, spend some time with her. Okay. Hey, give me a, your mom's box and hang up on me. That's fine, Opie. I'm not hanging up. <laughs> I, I thought about it. I know. I know. I'm not going to lie. It was, good. It, it was good to talk to you. I, I hope people enjoyed it. And I let's do it again. I've known you for a while. And it, it's, it's, it's been great to finally talk to you and meet you. Sarah from Buffalo. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for everything you do for me. I really appreciate it. No problem, Mo. Peace out. All right. We'll talk soon. There goes Sarah from Buffalo. Let me, uh, I want to end, but uh, Dick Cox has been on on uh, on the line. I, I saw you in the waiting room for the last hour. Sorry, Dick Cox. You it's know, all right, I'm, I'm in New York City because I, I, I thought I was getting my peach beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the problem is, is that my ex, I, I know you just had a whole you know, a bunch of stuff. So I won't go into details, but basically my ex can't me coming up. Wait, uh, your, if you, your ex won't let you come up. 
No, she. I got my vaccine. I got the Johnson and Johnson vaccination, but she and my daughter aren't vaxxed yet. And said, "Well, we're worried about you spreading it to us." And I went to the lawyer and said, "Hey, look, people are traveling up there. I mean, I work at a place where people are coming down from New York all the time, and the lawyer couldn't work it out. So I was just like, okay, instead of causing." Because almost like what Sarah was talking about, I know my daughter, she's only four, but right. I got a good sense that all I got to do is just sit back and wait. It's just going to be a you know, time where she gets to the age where she's just going to rebel and said, I want to go live with dad and right. I'll be here. So, so your wife, your ex-wife is basically holding uh, your kid from you. Yeah, because of, the, because of the vaccines and everything. She says that because she's four, she can't get vaccinated. Right. So she's just keeping her isolated. Right. I'm like, when she goes to school with a whole, you know, classroom full of kids in a Montessori school that aren't vaccinated, doesn't make a dent. Damn. I just just wanted to check out a nice sunrise and have a Montauk summer, Al. Hey, I'm sorry, boss. But here, well, let me, let me cheer you up real quick. Hold on a sec. Watch this. All right. Let me cheer you up. Yeah. Well, here, here's, here's the light. Okay. It's all waiting. Oh, that's the son of a peach beer. I recognize the label. Yes, sir. There. Yeah. And there. Oh, that's mine. And here. That's all here for real. And here. That is one of the tastiest beers I've had in years. The (laughs) son of a peach from South Carolina. Yes, sir. And I got some more stack for you. Right. That's the that's the cold stuff. Right. And there's the hot stuff. I'll trade you uh I'll give you some of uh Jackie the Joke Man's weed for that. We'll do a little uh, we'll do a little trade. We'll do a little trade. Sounds like a plan. All right. All right, boss. Well, if you're gonna go check on your mom, you may want to do it before it gets too late. No, well, I'm gonna hang out with my daughter. Me and my daughter came to the city, okay. uh, cool. so she could go to school for a couple of days, and then we cool. we head back to the beach. But sweet, oh so, yeah. But I mean, she's on the iPad with her friend. She's cool. But <laughs> I want to at least have some ice cream with her. We're gonna crash early. All right, all right, boss. All right, DC. All the best. All right. Yes, sir. You too. All right, guys. Uh, wow, Sarah. Thank you for real. I appreciate it. She's back in the in the chat. Wow, that is a hell of a story. I am not. I am not going to be depressed anymore. I guess that's why you need these other people to tell their stories. Then you go, "Oh, why are you crying?" <laughs> because you know the last few days were a little rough. It was Carl's birthday on the fourth. It uh, Kurt Cobain's uh, birthday on the fifth. I don't know why I'm putting Kurt Cobain with Carl, but I think Carl would appreciate that. And then on the sixth. Yesterday was uh, the year anniversary of Vic Henley's passing. So I, I've been uh, doing a little woe is me lately. And then I talked to Sarah. So I'm like, oh, stop it. Go back to living your life. That's what I learned tonight. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to all you guys. Uh, we got a good crew. Let's keep it going. Peace. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> Boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> 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 <laughs>